I'm going to give everyone a heads up. This is possibly the most caffeinated coffee ever made, as you can see from my hand. So, this may be one of those uh, messages where you don't really know what's going to happen. <laughs> and the subject is good. When Shane and I first started talking about it, he actually gave me an option which, uh, which week I wanted to do. And I like Solomon because he was wise and wisdom is one of those things that isn't just thrown around anymore. There's not a lot of wise people in the world. Solomon was like, hey, I get it. And he also wrote the Song of Solomon, the book we're going to be speaking out of today. And what is that book about? Oh, come on, really, guys? Thank you, Paul. See, I'm the one that has to sit up here behind these lights and talk about this subject. That subject is... Right. That subject is sex. It is... Sex is okay. We'll get into that. All right. So last week, just jumping right in, like I said, doped up on caffeine, so here we go. Last week, we talked about building a wall of defense and how to make decisions to defend our wall. If you guys weren't here last week, check out the podcast. It was awesome, and it, uh, as Shane put it, there you go, I built it up right for you this week. So to start it off, statistically, as the statistics go, I'm using the word statistic a lot, sorry. Um, people that engage in premarital sex have a higher divorce rate. But, before you get the wrong idea, sexual purity isn't just for the singles in the room. Those of us that are married, guess what? It's for us too. And I think that the, uh, the analogy that Shane gave last week about all of us being stuck in the Grand Canyon, doesn't matter if you're Michael Jordan or if you're a normal guy, you're not going to jump out of the Grand Canyon. So that's kind of where we all are. We're all in that pit. So we're going to start out in chapter 1, verse 8, and we're going to go clear through. We've got three different sections to read, which is a mouthful. So just hang in there with me. We'll get through them. All right. And you can read on the Bible app. If you've got your regular Bible, that's fine too. As soon as I stop switching pages. Goodness gracious. That's why I don't use tablets. Okay. Verse 8. If you don't know, O most beautiful woman, follow the trail of my flock and graze your young goats by the shepherd's tents. You are as exciting, my darling, as a mare among Pharaoh's stallions. Yeah. There we go. You're all right. How lovely are your cheeks. Your earrings set them afire. Or as Joey Triviani would say, how you doing? <laughs> How lovely is your neck enhanced by a string of jewels? Now, I know what he's thinking there. Uh, okay, high maintenance. Look at those jewels, right? We will make, we make for your earrings of gold and beads of silver. I'm going to buy you stuff. The, young, the king is lying on his couch. This is from the young woman's perspective. Enchanted by a fragrance of my perfume. My lover is like a sachet of myrrh lying between my breasts. I dare not even touch that one. He's like a bouquet of sweet henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful. Your eyes are like doves. You are so handsome, my love. Pleasing beyond words. Now, if you can notice, pretty much what they're doing so far is, No, you're cuter. No, you're cuter. 
When I first read through this, I was kind of like, come on, really? Thanks a lot, Shane. So I get to go, yeah, you're cuter, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it gets better. You got to look. It's not just superficial stuff. Okay. The soft grass is our bed. Fragrant, fragrant cedar branches are the beams of our house. And pleasant smelling firs are the rafters. Paul, you think you had a fun time trying to read? Try to read that. So, like I said, they start out, they're just complimenting each other. You can tell that there's something there that they... It's almost like high school musical, right? For those of you that aren't... Well, I won't say old as dirt, but for those of you that aren't old like me, probably remember high school. The one girl that you really had a crush on. Right, Gideon? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pointing, I'm pointing you out because you're the youngest guy I see. I'm sorry. Right? It's like... Hey, yeah, man, she's so cute. I can't even believe it. Uh, and for young ladies, I'm not a young lady, so I don't really know what you what young ladies think. So, fantastic. I think I'm gonna marry that one. There we go. Okay, but it gets deeper than that as we go, right? Somebody's alarm's going off. As we go on, we go to, you're one in a million. And then she says, you're one in a million. You're perfect for me. But then she also hints on how he makes her feel. He makes her feel strong. Makes her feel unique. And that's not just a superficial thing. And then we get to verse 6, and the mood goes from, oh, you're so cute, to, right? It intensifies like, boom. Where are they at? They go from standing up talking to each other to, Hey, we're laying down, got my arm around you, and uh, something's about to happen. And then, verse 7, what you do? Hold on. Stop. Stop. I got to do. Stop. I got to do. Stop. And what does she say? Stop. Well, aside from that, guys, come on. Well, first, since I lost my place... I'll go ahead and read this part. I'm the spring crocus blooming on the Sharon Plain, the lily of the valley. Like a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. Now we're starting to get a little hot and heavier here. Like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among other young men. I sat in his delightful shade and tasted his delicious fruit. He escorts me to the banquet hall. His, it's obvious how much he loves me. Strengthen me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love. And then his left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Mm-hmm. So then she stops. Promise me, promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and wild deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. When is the time right? Ooh, we got quiet. After marriage, right? Now, Unfortunately, never says whether this is pre-marriage or post-marriage. Me and Shane kind of went back and forth. That, I mean, opinions vary, but bottom line is it really doesn't matter. Because it applies to all of us. Like I said, we're all in the pit. So single or married, Christ follower or non-fan, we're all together. So let's start with the easy question. For, for those of you that can ask us, what if I haven't had sex yet? And I'm not married. Great. Go back to last week. Build a wall of defense and maintain it. That easy. You guys are the easy group. But what about the rest of us, since we're all adults here, 
probably we're all in the latter category, or most of us are in the latter category as opposed to the former, right? So what if I have? Is there a way past that, or for lack of a better term, am I just, am I screwed? Is there, is there any hope? Well, there is. This is my favorite part. I would like to introduce you guys to what I call the grace sandwich. No laughs. Awesome. Okay. Well, the grace sandwich is this. Two pieces of grace with a little bit of repentance in the middle. Slap it together and that's lunch. Really, there's a little more to it than that, but okay. Grace is the first half. This part is essential. Cross pointers, for those of us, we have to apply that grace to people that need it or extend that grace to those who need it. For non-fans, you just simply have to receive that grace. Repentance. Now, this is, this is the best part of the sandwich because this is like the double meat. This is the, I mean, this is the good stuff. Without repentance, you're just going to have, what, two pieces of bread, right? No. This is the meat, the cheese, all the good stuff inside of it. So if you and your significant other have already had sex, and the question you have to ask is what keeps them from being, like Shane talked about last week, a swinging door as opposed to a wall, letting people in and out. And to take it a step further, what keeps you from being a swinging door? For married guys, and take it a step further and say, what keeps you from uh, getting on the computer and looking at stuff you shouldn't? Or you're out with your buddies, what stops you from looking at the group of girls walking by wearing next to nothing? Because guys, let's be honest, that's, that's everywhere. And ladies, what keeps you from, uh, from checking out old Jensen Ackles? Who's a good-looking dude, right? All the Supernatural fans out there are like, all right. Or, you know, when the cable guy comes over to change the cable, well, hey, he's a good-looking dude, right? Right, Paul? Yeah. Or, that, or that Paul guy in the... No, no, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. What brings us to repentance is essential to that. That's what helps keep us from that. And that brings us to our third piece. Our third piece is grace, again. Because not if we screw up, but when we screw up, what's the one thing that we like to do to ourselves? We like to sit and just beat ourselves up. Oh, I can't believe I did that. How could I have done that again? What am I thinking? We beat ourselves up worse than God could ever beat us up. So that's where grace comes in. Because we're all human, we're all flawed, and sexual sin is a struggle for all of us. What we have to do is we have to lay that struggle at his feet and hear him follow. And when we do that, God gives us a new righteousness. God's way is simply the better way. It's a better way to sexual freedom without consequences, and it brings us better fulfillment in sex. Instead of that freedom to do what we want and then hide and try to avoid the consequences, God's way is better. All right, moving on to the next one. We're going to go to chapter 3, 
verse 1 through 5. And some of these guys I may not read all the way through just because it's a lot of... Okay. Cliff Notes version of this one. One night as I lay lying in bed, I, I yearned for my lover. Okay, so she's, she's either at this point dreaming or she's legitimately just laying there like, oh, I wonder what he's doing. And he's nowhere to be found. So, she's pining over him. I kind of am inclined to believe that she's awake and not dreaming, but that she, either way. So what's she do when she can't find her, she knows her guy's not here, what's she do? She gets up, she's either in her nightgown or whatever they wore then, a burlap sack or something, I don't know. And she gets out and she goes into the streets. And she's just aimlessly just walking around like, where is he? Can't find him. She's starting to get panicked because she doesn't know where he went or what happened. She's a little freaked out. So then after her head starts going crazy, then her heart starts going crazy, and she's like, I'm never going to find him. I'm never going to find him. Can anybody relate to that? Because I know I've done some pretty crazy stuff in the name of love. Oh, okay. Well, you're all perfect then. Awesome. Well, long story short, the cops pick her up. They're walking around like, hey, come come here, come here. What are you doing? You can't... Can't be walking around the streets dressed like that. Get out, go to bed. And then she sees him. And she sprints and she jumps in his arms and holds him tightly. And he's probably thinking, dude, I just went down the corner. What? Come, come on, what's going on? But then it goes a step further than that. After she gets a hold of him again, she's like, don't ever leave me because I'd find you. No, she doesn't. She takes him back to where? Not her house. She takes him back to mom's house and takes him back to mom's bed. Can you imagine that conversation? Hey, mom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I totally found it. Yeah, he just went up to 7-Eleven. Yeah, I know. This is crazy. So, uh, yeah, I need you to go ahead and get, get out of here. Yeah, okay. Okay, thanks, mom. Thanks. Does that not seem weird to anybody else? I'm not going to go to my mom and dad's house and be like, hey, mom, Ixnay, get out of here. False. But back then, it, it wasn't, back in this time, it wasn't as weird as it is now, okay? To them, it would be like dipping French fries in a milkshake. It's not a big deal. Back then, a mother's bed was associated with intimacy, so naturally, that was an okay place to, yeah, I'm not going to validate this because it's, I don't understand it. I could never do that. But she thinks he bailed, right? She thinks he just rolled out on her. Unconditional love provides security. You guys remember the apple tree? The apple tree is actually a metaphor for a few different things. But what I thought of was when she's laying underneath his branches, the sun's out, an apple tree or any tree for that matter will provide shade for you, help keep you cool. And the apple tree also gives fruit, so if she gets hungry, then she's, you know, got provision, protection. So unconditional love. Unconditional love. So why are we talking about purity then if unconditional love is the topic and security is the topic? Why does she take the time at the end of this chapter to warn us about it? Well, simple answer. No matter who you are, 
You have a past. We all have a past. Your significant other, your spouse has a past. We all do. When we sin sexually, and when your significant other knows your past, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it can create waves in your relationship unintentionally. Sometimes they may wonder how they compare to your past lovers or your past experiences. They may also wonder if they've gotten the best of you. So the question is this. Do we tell our spouse about our sexual past? I can see gears turning. I know the logical answer from a guy's perspective. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that's not a conversation I want to have. Actually, yeah, we should. And I'll tell you why. Because it's going to be an interesting conversation, no doubt. But it's a lot easier than dealing with secrets in your marriage. And it's going to be ripping off the band-aid as opposed to slowly but surely pulling off. It's just going to be easier in the long run. The better sex is in freedom of consequences and better security because of unconditional love. So here's the bottom line. You can't change your past. No matter what we do, we can't change it. But we can change our future path. And then the last part we're going to talk about is about creativity. This one I like the most because it kind of... Let's be honest. In church, we don't get to talk about creativity and sex a lot, right? It's not, it's not one of those things, all right, we're going to talk about this today. No, not usually. All right. In 7.11 through 8.4, first of all, as it goes through, it kind of, it talks about them finding different places to have sex. Again, not one of those things that you usually see in the Bible, but they're talking about being in the vineyard. Let me see if I can find it real quick, sorry. Come, my love, let us go to the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. Let us get up early and go to the vineyards to see if the grapevines have, have budded, if the blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates have bloomed. Then I will give you my love. Sweet. Then the mandrakes give off their fragrance, and the finest fruits are at the door. New delights as well as old, which I have saved for you, my lover. And then it gets kind of strange to me. This verse, uh, you'll see it. Oh, I wish you were my brother. What? What? I don't have any siblings, but no. For those of you ladies that have brothers, <laughs> I bet you've never thought this. Oh, I wish you were my brother who nursed at my mother's breast. Then I could kiss you no matter who was watching. And no, matter, and no one would criticize me. I would bring you to my childhood home, and there you would teach me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, my sweet pomegranate wine. Your left arm would be under my head, and your right arm would embrace me. Notice how these last two verses are in every, every single one that we've talked about. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. Think if she's mentioned that three times, that maybe that's kind of the point she's trying to get across. Let's go back to the brother thing. I feel like I need to clarify this a little bit. <laughs> back in that time, you wouldn't see spouses out kissing each other or hugging on each other in public. It just wasn't, it was taboo. Like, you just wouldn't see it. 
But a brother and sister, it was totally okay to go up and kiss your sister. So that's the kind of freedom she wants. She wants to be able to just go up and grab Solomon and be like, what up? So as opposed to today, I'm sure some of you have seen more affection from couples in random places than you'd care to remember. But let me ask you married folks something. When was the last time in the middle of Walmart when it was crazy, the kids were screaming, ah, and you were just at your wits end? Did you just look at your wife or husband and just go, forget it? Right? Yeah. Here's my point. Creativity is easy to bypass sometimes because we live in a hectic world. In the middle of chaos in Walmart on a Sunday afternoon, I'm sorry, I'm not thinking about kissing my wife. I'm thinking about getting the heck out of there. Right? <sighs> Try that sometime. I dare you. I'm going to. Just, just when you at least expect it. Just lean over and just give him a big old kiss. So going back to creativity, where, where is the line? Where, in, where is the line for creativity? Well, for married people, basically if, if you're both comfortable and it's just you two. So let's not even, the threesomes, nope. Wife swapping, nope. Nothing, yeah, common sense. You sure, you know, common sense. If it sounds like a bad idea, it probably is, guys. <laughs> and for singles, all I can say is this, it's worth the wait. Because when you find that one, when you find your spouse, it's, it's more than just the sex. You want, you want it to grow with them. You want to be around them. It's worth the wait. And I know what some of the single guys are thinking is, <clears throat> yeah, but doesn't having sex with the same broad, you know, get boring after a while? Right? It's okay to agree. No, it doesn't. If we're doing it right, if we're both, if we're growing with each other, spiritually, if we're growing with each other, 50 years from now, you're going to be having sex with a different woman than you are now. Right? Yeah, we're going to have to edit that part because that just sounds bad. It's still going to be your wife or your husband, but you're both going to have grown to a different point. So you're going to be different people. So no. Be creative. And single people, if you haven't done it yet, it's not all sunshines and rainbows. So don't build it, don't build it up to be you know, don't build your first time up to be like, oh, it's going to be perfect, blah, blah, blah. Look, that's the problem that we have in this society. We build it all up to be a magical carpet ride or whatever the case may be. We build it up. It takes work. Marriage takes work. It all takes work. It's not just perfect all the time. So, what if we've messed up? Are we too far gone? If you've messed up, which all of us have, 
right? We've all messed up at some point or another. Grab lunch. Grab the gray sandwich. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time today, and I... Lord, I just uh, thank you for giving us grace and giving us the option of repentance, Lord. Lord, I just thank you that we're never too far gone. That we've all made mistakes and that we're all in the same pit together. Lord, I just ask that Lord, that we remember that we can't change our past, but we can still change the future path that we're on. Lord, we thank you for everything that you do. Speak to us as we go into our into our time of refre- reflection. Lord, I just pray that you'll use these words to speak to us. We ask these things in your name. Amen.